With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're lucky enough to be joined by a minor league outfielder in the Colorado Rockies organization. We're being joined today by Zach Kokoska. Zach is originally from Latrobe, Pennsylvania, a little city, a little town outside of Pittsburgh. Um, Latrobe is the home of Arnold Palmer, so if you've heard of Latrobe, you may have heard of Latrobe because of either Arnold Palmer or uh, Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock beer was once housed in Latrobe, so a little little neat fact for you there. In 2017, as a high school senior, Zach was voted the Gatorade Pennsylvania Player of the Year as well as the USA Today Pennsylvania Player of the Year with an outstanding senior season. In 2018, his freshman year in college, he went to Virginia Tech, was there for one year before transferring to Kansas State, finished his career at Kansas State, where he had a really tremendous career. Um, as a sophomore, he led Kansas State in all three slash categories. He hit 330 with a .408 on base percentage and a .522 slugging percentage. Because of that season, he got to play uh, in the prestigious Cape Cod League. The 2020 season was obviously a strange season because of COVID. I believe that Kansas State only played uh, 17 games that year before being shut down. But then 2021, they were back to a full slate. So that year, Zach was uh, a senior in the classroom, a junior on the field technically, uh, because of some COVID things and, and the extra year that the guys got for eligibility. But in 2021, Zach started all 57 of K-State's games. He led the team in all three slash categories again, hitting 363 uh, with a 445 on base percentage and a 675 slugging percentage thanks to 19 doubles and 15 home runs in 57 games. Really, really good numbers, especially in a conference like Kansas State plays in. In 2021, uh, when the draft rolled around in June, he was drafted in the 10th round by the Colorado Rockies. And in his first season in pro ball, Zach made a big impact on the Rockies minor league organization. I'm sure he raised some eyebrows. He only had 43 at-bats. A lot of times when guys get drafted out of college, they just don't have a lot of at-bats that first year. But in 43 at-bats, he hit 395 with a 993 OPS. Again, this is Zach Kokoska, everybody. And today's podcast will be brought to you by Crossover Symmetry and ArmCare.com. Zach, I certainly appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited, too. Uh, so I typically like to start with something that stands out from guys' bios. And for you, um, I want to start just with the the amount of success that you had in college. Usually guys will have kind of... Um, you know, up and down years and, and, and even guys that end up getting drafted pretty high, they, they might have, you know, one or two years that sort of stand out among the others, but you had a, a really, uh, a pretty consistent career in college. And I know a lot of our listeners on this podcast are, are involved at the high school or college level. Um, I just kind of want to ask, want to ask you first of all about your college days and, and if there was anything in particular that you did that you feel like helped you be that consistently successful at the college level, you put up very similar numbers, um, you know, almost every year, including the the COVID shortened 2020 year. You, had, you got off to a really good start that year as well. Um, you know, whether it was power numbers or, uh, you know, on base or even batting average, again, pretty similar numbers every year. Was there anything in particular that you felt like you did, whether it was a routine, 
um, or whether it was just, uh, you know, your approach to plate or anything else that just helped you to put up pretty consistent numbers your whole career? Yeah, I think um, the big thing for me was sticking to a consistent routine and, you know, uh, having a really good work work ethic. Um, I think work ethic really just separates uh, different people at the college level. Because at the college level, everybody's got talent. You wouldn't be at the Division One level if you didn't have talent. But what really separates those who excel in the sport in that level compared to those who uh, dwindle, I think, is just, you know, what you do off the field compared to what you do um, before the season to prepare yourself to be the best player you can be that season. You know, whether it's, you know, hitting extra before practice, hitting extra after practice, doing extra workouts on your own, uh, body care maintenance stuff, different things like that. Um that all kind of just accumulates together to really give you the best chance of having success. And uh, I like to think that I did a lot of my uh, work on my own to just, you know, set myself up to be as successful as I can be and it it paid off. So I think you just need to just do extra work, um, you know, stick to your routine and not really have people change too much about what you do because we're all individuals and we all, have different swings, different ways of playing the game. But if you make it to the Division One level, uh, it's for a reason. And you got the talent and you got there for a reason. So just I think it's, yeah, working hard and don't let, don't let coaches or different things like that affect how you play or change how you play. So along those lines, Zach, have you – have you made many changes to your game? Um, you know, going back from you know your high school days, you were obviously very, very successful, being named uh, the Pennsylvania Player of the Year by uh, you know multiple outlets. H- have you changed a lot of things? Have you been asked to change a lot of things, or have you uh, maybe even made some decisions on your own that you were going to change? Or do you feel like you're a very similar player to high school? Obviously, like you know, small things are going to change from here to there. But have you made any major changes, like maybe to your to your swing path or like out of the leg kick or just, I mean, any, anything major or are you very, very similar in a lot of ways to how you were even as a high school player? Um, I changed a few things. Um, I think uh, my swing uh, mechanics in high school, I got, got away with a lot of that stuff just because it was the high school level, you know, you're in uh, Southwest Pennsylvania. It's not like you're facing, you know, 90 miles an hour every day. Um, the talent level there is, probably not at the level of different places like Texas or Florida or Southern California. But um, I think I've just always had good natural hand-eye ability and good barrel skills, and that kind of – I got away with it at the high school level. Once college got here and uh, I was facing, you know, 90 every day with good off-speeds and facing true change-ups for the first time and different things like that, that's when I kind of had to get with my hitting coaches and be like – yeah, I know uh, mechanics of my swing are a little bit rough right now. I think we need to just tweak a few things, but not entirely change everything. Like, I, I still throw my hands at the ball the same way that I always did, um, different things like that. I just fixed up a few things with my lower half and uh, my upper body. It just I learned what a true approach was, too, and the mental side of getting at the plate and having a good plan. I think that's what really – uh, the biggest thing that I changed once I got to the college level. Zach, I want to ask you a little bit about just some keys 
to your swing. And, and I want to ask you uh, maybe specifically just some some things that you feel like are really important to your success, whether it's uh, there are things that you sort of hit, you know, in your day to day routine, um, you know, as you as you prepare for games or, or whatever, if there are mechanical things that you focus on in, in, in some drills or if it's, um, you know, if, if maybe you have some um, some key things that you say to yourself, you know, some um before, whether it's in the on deck circle or in the batter's box that sort of that sort of are important to you uh could you could you talk about a couple of the things that you think are key to your swing and your success offensively some some real staples again whether it's whether it's mechanical or whether it's uh, a part of your mental game which you mentioned uh, what are some things that are really important for you to sustain success you know throughout throughout college and, and now as a pro yeah, I think um, physically, I like to kind of prepare my body for the game as, as best as I can. You know, about an hour or so before the game, I try to feel, feel myself the right way with the right foods, different things like that. Um, you know, proper nutrition. Uh, I like to get in the trainer's room and get a foam roller and roll out and get my muscles all ready to, to fire and everything like that. Um, in game, I like to, you know, really focus on my breathing and focus on slowing the game down and not letting it speed up on you too fast and um you know look at the focal points of my bats the focal points i use them down the pool down on the pools when you know i miss my pitch or different things like that all that goes together with uh preparing yourself physically and mentally um in my own time when i put in my own work i uh i usually stick to you know the same routine i don't really uh I've never been one to really do a lot of like fancy drills, like short bat stuff or different things like that. Uh, usually just what I do is um, I'll set the tee up low to start and then it's probably take five swings off the tee when, while it's low down the middle and then probably take five swings off the tee when it's high down the middle, high tee. And then I usually just go right to the, to the pitching machine and just hit fastballs or hit curveballs or whatever I need to work on. But I think as developing, developing yourself as to be a good hitter, one of the best things you can do is just hit fastballs off the machine as, as much as you can and just work on driving the ball out front into like your lefty, left center gap, your righty, you know, right center gap. That's just where you want to try to hunt the ball at different things like that so that's that kind of goes all together to prepare myself for the game as best as i can then once i'm in the game i throw all the mechanics out the window and i don't think about any of that stuff and the only thing i really tell myself in the box is just to compete as best you can and find a way to be successful and get on base zach i'm sure that you're aware of a lot of uh the stuff that's on social media just about you know, guys kind of preaching this swing or that swing or these mechanics or that mechanics. Um, do you have some some particular things in, in your swing mechanically that you focus on? Like, are you someone that thinks about driving your back knee or driving your hips or throwing your knob to the ball, throwing the, the barrel, creating early bat speed, getting on plane, like all these things that are kind of like buzzwords. Are, are any of those things things that you focus on? Um, in particular, again, that, that you feel like keep your swing, quote-unquote, healthy? Well, um, for the most part, uh, the mechanics of my swing are, you know, average, not amazing, not bad, though. Um, but what I what really helps me become successful with the plate is I just have 
really good uh, hand, like barrel skills. I'm just able to you know handle all pitches, all parts of the zone. So I don't really try to get too mechanical when things are going wrong. Usually, usually when I'm struggling, it's because you know I'm just tensing up my upper body and I'm just not relaxed and I'm thinking too much mentally. So what my uh, coach at Kansas State told me, Coach um, Austin Waits. He would just tell me, like, when I'm struggling, when I'm stressed, when I'm focused, focusing on the wrong things, physically all I need to do is just, you know, lower my back elbow and my setup, and that will relax my shoulders, and I'll be a lot looser and quicker and just a lot more comfortable at, at the plate. So, yeah, I don't really focus on anything with my lower half or anything like that. I would say, like, an adjustment aspect, all I really focus on is keeping that back elbow down, keeping myself loose in my upper body and just, you know, sitting on that fastball away and just expecting it to be there and just adjusting to other pitches and just letting my barrel fly and hit the ball as hard as I can. So so that is part of your approach is to to kind of be ready for fastball away. I mean, you already mentioned you're, you're a left-left. Uh, as a left-handed hitter, you're kind of focused a lot on the left-center gap. Um, why does that, why does that work for you? And is, well, first of all, is that the approach you take in a game as well? You, you said that that's kind of what you do in the cage when you're hitting off of a machine, but is that a, a basic approach in the game as well? Looking for a fastball, you can drive to the opposite gap in it. And if so, why, why does that, why is that something that has worked for you and that you continue to do? Well, um, I'm always sitting fastball away, no matter what, no matter what count. And the only time I change up that, approach is when I, we're, we're facing a pitcher who's pretty much just throwing virtually all breaking balls or all change-ups or different things like that. But I, I just firmly believe that if you're sitting on that fastball away and just expecting a fastball to be there, you're able to recognize and see all other types of pitches coming at you. Because if you're sitting a fastball, at fastball in, it's really hard to recognize spin if it pops out of the hand, especially coming from a right-handed pitcher. You know, if you're sitting if you're sitting on a curveball or an off-speed pitch and they throw a fastball right by you down the middle, you missed a really good pitch to hit, and you're not going to be able to think slow and react and turn fast. You're only going to be able to sit fast on a fastball and adjust to a slower pitch. It's just how, just how the human mind works and the eyes work. And if you're sitting soft on a, you know, an off-speed pitch and you try to hit a fastball when you recognize it, you're just going to be behind it. You're going to roll over. You're just going to ground out or just completely miss it. So, yeah, I just firmly I just firmly follow that approach. And 99% of the time, that's the approach I'm going to be taking. And then when I recognize a breaking ball after sitting fastball away, if it's a really good pitch to hit, I'll just try to turn on it and elevate it because that's – that's where most of the home runs come from is off-speed pitches. But, yep, so pretty much it just comes down to me sitting fastball away and adjusting the spin. Now, are you a guy that will naturally turn on fastballs in? Um, and, and if, you know, is that is that a pitch you can handle or do you um, – do you, do you like you know do you like fastballs in but just timing wise you think it's better to like sit sit fastball away and adjust in or do you find that you get yourself in trouble if you if you pull too much like do you end up does that does that end up kind of throwing off your timing a little bit just I'm curious about that because you're you're a power guy you've been a power guy in college um, 
and I'm sure that's why part of the reason for you being drafted is is your power potential. So I'm, I'm curious about that because your approach of kind of sitting the, to the opposite field gap um, is different than than what you might hear. Again, I and I and a lot of these podcasts, Zach. I know you probably haven't listened to them, but on a lot of these podcasts, I like to address issues that I think are are prevalent in youth baseball, and and I think that uh, the noise in youth baseball, all the way from little league to to high school, is too much. Um, it's too focused on, on pulling the baseball and it's too focused on especially pulling the ball in the air. And, and I think that that, uh, just creates a lot of issues for, for hitters from, from timing to pitch recognition is kind of, as you mentioned, but I'm just curious with you, you know, do you, do you sit fastball away and, and are you, you know, do you, do you like to, and are you able to, is it a strength for you to react to fastballs in and pull it? where it's easier to maybe to, to hit some of those balls in the air and hit them out to your pull side or a lot of your home runs is a, or a lot of your extra base hits to the opposite gap? Um, I would say my answer to that question is when I'm going really good and I feel really good at the plate, I am able to, you know, pull that inside fastball and recognize it even when I'm sitting fastball away. Um, you know, when you're going good, you're going good. You're hitting everything. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a foot out of the zone. You'll probably be able to put a barrel on it. But when I'm struggling, you know, I'm not really going to, you know, take the risk of trying to swing at that pitch unless I have two strikes because, you know, if you're starting to think pull and you're, you, you're thinking pull and looking in, it's really going to just, you know, throw off a lot of your mechanics because uh, the, we talk about this a lot with the Rockies. If you're sitting on a fastball away and trying to hit it into the opposite center gap, you're going to land in the best possible position to be able to handle all types of pitches and have the most efficient and mechanically clean swing. You know, if you're starting to, if you're looking to just, you know, pull a fastball in the air and try to hit it over the fence, it might ha- it might happen, you know, one out of every 30 times you try it. But I'd much rather, you know, take a safer path and just, hit, and, you know, try to hit it in the opposite center gap. And, you know, you'll probably be a lot more consistent with that. You know, when you're talking about, you know, youth baseball, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, uh, that's just, you know, before you become a mature hitter at the college level and the pro, especially the pro level, you know, kids when they're younger, we just want to, we just want to see how far we can hit the ball. You know, in, in practice, you want to just work on, you know, just trying to hit as many home runs as you can, seeing if you can hit it, hit it farther than your buddy next to you and different things like that. But if you want to be a really elite baseball player and learn a mature approach and, and develop yourself the right way at a young age, the best thing you can do is work the opposite center gap as much as you can. And then, you know, you still want to mix a few, few pull side swings in and everything like that but you can learn to go in the opposite center gap at you know a young age you're going to get you're going to get a lot of really good looks because that's just the mature approach and it's just going to make your swing mechanically sound at a young age and once you're mechanically sound that's when you know the power comes and you become a really deadly hitter today's podcast is brought to you by crossover symmetry and armcare.com for all baseball players if you want to increase velocity without losing command or throw out runners from anywhere in the field check out armcare.com developed by crossover symmetry armcare.com measures your arm strength and delivers customized prep strength and recovery training based off what you need most that day gain velocity through targeted training while also having your best stuff every game 
Armcare.com is used at every level of baseball by players who want an advantage over their competition and take their health and performance seriously. Go to Armcare.com and get started today. I'm going to ask you a question that might be a little difficult without any visual here, without being on a Zoom call, but I'd like to ask anyway, just... I really enjoy talking hitting, and, and I think this is something that uh, you know that we can spend a little bit of time on. Zach, when you are when you're driving balls consistently to the opposite field gap, are you throwing your hands and barrel in that direction, or and and maybe taking a different bat path, a different hand path to an inside fastball, or is it just is it basically the same swing and just a matter of your contact point, like you're hitting that ball to left center gap as a left-handed hitter deeper and hitting the ball to, you know, up, up to your pull side more out in front. Like, do does your swing path and barrel path change to hit those pitches, um, or is it just a matter of contact points? Um, well, when it comes to that, you know, if you're going to hit, hit a ball into the opposite center gap, you always want to be trying to hit the ball out front, no matter where it's at. That's where you do your damage. You get in trouble when when you let the ball get too deep in the zone. But if you're going in the opposite center gap and that's where you're trying to hit the ball, you're going to have to let it get maybe slightly deeper, but not too deep where you can't still put power into it. Um, but when you're thinking uh, when you're thinking that way, you still are trying to stay through the inner half of the ball. And lots of people uh, think it's the opposite when you're going to the pull side they think you want to try to get around the ball and you know get under it and lift it and everything but that's actually that's not what i believe Uh, nobody really knows what's true or not in this game it's always changing all the time but even on an inside fastball when i'm trying to pull it i'm still trying to stay through the the inner inner third of the ball because that keeps your barrel on the ball the longest and the longer the ball's on your barrel the more power your input you're going to put into the ball and the farther it's going to go and the faster it's going to come off your bat. So I would just say, you know, it's really important just to always be working through the inner half of the ball, no matter where it's pitched and trying to hit the ball out front and just, you know, trying to work on uh, rising line drives, you know, lots of time, lot, <laughs> excuse me, lots of times you're, um, you know, you miss hit a ball slightly when you're trying to hit a line drive and it ends up being a home run. That's a good problem to have. But the last thing we want to do is put the ball on the ground or, you know, straight up in the air. You want to just hit rising line drive to stay through the inner half of the ball. So that was going to be one of the next things I wanted to ask you about is, do you intend to be a power hitter? Like, do you go up to the plate intending to, you know, hit a double or a home run or, or hit a ball off the wall? Or are you just up there trying, like you said, to hit a rising line drive and, and, and like home runs happen? you know, when, when you slightly miss hit one or catch one out front a little bit, like you kind of mentioned with the off-speed pitches. So uh, that's that's my next question is, is that, is it an intentional thing, um, you know, hitting extra base hits or does it just happen um, when you when you, you square balls up and just you, ha- you you hit them in the right spot or or just catch one at the right angle that, uh, that it ends up, you know, going into the gap or off the wall or over the wall. So just ca- kind of curious about that with you as a power guy, whether that's something intentional or something that just – you know, our home runs kind of accidents for you. I think that's something that people probably have heard before. And, but I think it's always, it's always a good topic of conversation to ask with a guy who, who hits a lot of home runs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm never going up to the plate trying to hit a home run. I feel like once you're trying to really elevate the ball and put it in the air a lot, your swing gets long, your mechanics get all wonky and everything like that. 
And on the opposite side, I'm never trying to hit the ball on the ground because ground balls are out at, at the professional level and at the college level. So every time when I go up to the plate, I'm just trying to, you know, hit a line drive as hard as I possibly can up the middle or into the opposite center gap. And lots of times, you know, you'll, like I said, you'll miss hit it and it'll go a little bit more in the air and that's when the home runs happen. Or lots of times you miss hit it and you get on top of it a little bit, but it's still going to be, you know, a 105 mile per hour ground ball. That's probably going to make it up the middle or through a gap in the infield. Um, but when it comes to, you know, being a power hitter and hitting a lot of far balls and everything, you hear a lot about launch angle. And pretty much the way I've learned that launch angle is just it's just your contact point. You know, if you're hitting the ball out front, but you're on, you have a flat bath path and everything, it's probably going to go a little bit more in the air because you're just putting more power into it. You're just getting it out front more and it's going to be driven farther. Um, you know, if you're, you're hit, usually most of the time when you're hitting ground balls, it's because you're late and your contact point is too deep in the zone. So you always want to try to work out front. That's where the launch angle, uh, comes from. And yeah, just pretty much hunt that opposite center gap. And, uh, also we talk a lot with the Rockies about, you know, the fastball way approach. We're usually using that and, when you recognize spin, that's when you want to try to, you know, get a little long with your swing and elevate it because there's that velo change where you have that small amount of time to have a longer, slower swing. Um, and lots of times if you catch, you know, if you swing up a little bit and catch a breaking ball the right way, it's going to meet your bat path when you're swinging up, and that's when the home runs are going to happen. So, you know, I'm always sitting fastball away trying to hit like a hard line drive in the opposite center gap. And when I'm recognizing spin, that's when my bat path might get a little longer and try to, and me try to elevate pool side to get those home runs and those extra base hits and those balls off the wall. So Zach, this, this sort of line drive opposite field gap type approach that you've got that you really firmly believe in. Um, when did you establish that? Is that something that you had as a, you know, were you mature enough as a, as a, you know, as a high school player, or even younger to have that approach uh, did it take until you got to college to figure that out? You know, what, just curious when exactly that that kind of became your go-to approach, and, and who helped you get there, or, or what? You know, what did you learn? What did you experience, or, or maybe a coach that helped you? I'm just kind of curious how you got to that point and when exactly that happened for you. Yeah, in high school, I honestly had I didn't even know what an approach was. I uh, you know I never really learned that at a young age. I never. Uh, I never really matured that early as a hitter to learn about a mature approach like that. I would usually just go up and just try to hit the ball to the pool side as hard as possible. And it would work at high school, you know, because the competition's subpar and everything. But once I got to college and I started struggling a little bit, you know, facing good arms for the first time, like true good arms for the first time, that's when I got with my uh, coach at Kansas State, Coach Waits, and we really talked about a true approach with sitting fastball away, expecting it there, and just trying to hit that ball into the opposite side of the gap, like I've been saying. And, you know, at first it seems a little weird because you're thinking, you know, oh, what if I miss a nice fastball and that I could have hit to the pool side out and different things like that. But once you really start playing the game and start, you know, trusting that approach more, you you learn that if you have a solid approach, you just become a lot more consistent and a lot more better of a hitter. 
yeah, I'll just say Coach Waits couldn't couldn't thank him enough to you know teach me a solid approach like that, and I've been using that since I got to Kansas State, and now I know how important you know a proper approach is to be a, a mature and deadly hitter, because I guarantee you at at the pro level and at the college level, anybody who's starting at a Division One or starting at a pro level, everybody has a plan when they go up to the plate. They're not just going up and just you know, trying to see a ball and hit it. Like, you know, the, there's an old saying where people just say, you know, just see the ball and hit the ball. But that's that's just not true. You need to have a you need to have a plan. You know, going to the plate because if you're uh, if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. So um, you need to know what the pitcher's doing. You need to watch him. You need to study him. You need to know his arm slot. You need to know what's his good pitches, what he can throw for a strike, what he throws in certain counts, all of that just comes together to give you the best possible chance to, you know, put the barrel on the ball. If you barrel up the ball and it, it's an out, that's you can't control that. All you can do is just try to hit the ball as hard as possible and just hope luck's on your side. So you've got the approach of looking fastball away, but you also, you know, you're trying to get information on the opposing pitcher in, in college. Um you know, there's a, there's a ton of video out there now, and I, I believe it's Synergy, right, is what colleges are using. Um, yeah. So you you have video on on literally every basically every pitcher, maybe except some incoming, some some true freshmen. Uh, you've got video on these guys, and you're kind of seeing what a pitcher, what they've got, what pitches they throw, as as you said, what pitches they can throw for strikes early in the count, especially what pitches they're throwing later in the count when they're ahead, especially to a left-handed hitter, as you are. Um, you know, but, but you kind of mentioned earlier that you stick with, even though you know what a pitcher has, you're still going to mainly stick with your approach unless someone's just, uh, you know, really kind of an outlier in one way or another. So what, what does that information do for you, Zach? You know, you're still going to mainly sit with your approach. You're not going to let a pitcher change your approach. So what's, what is the advantage of, um, of learning tendencies of your opponent uh, as you're going into a game, if if you're not really going to change how you're going to approach it, uh, particularly I'm sure with less than two strikes, what's what's the advantage of learning um, and getting all the info you can on the opposing pitcher, including seeing video? What's the advantage to doing that if it's not going to change your approach? I think the advantage is just um, you know giving yourself the best possible chance to hit what he's going to give you. You know it. It's easy, you know, at the high school level and, you know, when you're not playing the best competition to just, you know, look for a fastball and that's probably all you're going to get for a strike. Anybody can hit a fastball at any level. Um, once you're, you know, in the in the big leagues and you're facing Max Scherzer, who has four-plus pitches and ball goes everywhere, you can't just go up and guess on each pitch he's going to throw you because as soon as he throws something else you have no shot of recognizing it or putting the barrel on the ball but when you have a solid approach and you know what a pitcher's strengths and weaknesses are it puts him at a disadvantage because he he realizes man this team's really you know hitting my best best pitch that i i throw all the time i need to switch it up i need to throw a pitch that that isn't my strength and that pitch just starts getting hammered and then he gets all messed up mentally. And, you know, at that point you, you've won against him, um, you know, and when you're facing a hundred miles an hour, like what I saw a couple of times down in Arizona this summer, uh, 
you it's just, you just have no possible chance where if you're sitting on a slow pitch to be able to adjust and hit that fastball, there's just no way you're going to be able to speed up. So if you're always sitting fast and adjusting to slow, that works. Because we're able to slow our bodies down. We're not able to speed ourselves up when we're expecting something else. So, uh, you know, approach is kind of hard to explain and, you know, give your give your best ideas on it but it's just it just really comes down to a lot of a trust factor and yourself and your coaches and everything because the coaches that coaches at division one level and pro level they they really know what they're doing they've been in the game so long and they understand you know what what it takes to be successful what it takes to win and have the advantage over the competition and you know if you just trust in it and you uh you uh you just perform it the right way, you know, good things will happen. Zach, it sounds like from this conversation that the Rockies, the approach within the Rockies minor league system is, is relatively the same as you have had and, and that you had at K-State. Is there, do you yeah. have, did you hear anything about um, when you got drafted or even afterward? Is, is that kind of part of the draft process? Like do, do teams like the Rockies look for guys who, who not obviously have the talent, but that, uh, that are going to be able to sort of fit into their organization approach wise and be able to hit the ground running. Whereas, you know, their, your, your philosophy, your basic hitting uh, approach will match what they're going to teach you in the minor leagues. Is, is there any, is there any thought to that? I think a lot of people, including myself, just, we don't, don't know a lot about the draft process other than the you know, first couple rounds are, are kind of easy. You're drafting the guys that, that, you know, the best possible guy. But after that, um, is it, did you hear anything about that? Did, did the Rockies ever say anything to you about just that was part of it that you fit what they were looking for? And not obviously you had, you were a tenth round talent, uh, but but is that is that part of the conversation at all? Yeah, well, I was you know I was fortunate to have like I said I keep bringing him up Austin Waits. Um, he was actually a high round draft pick when he was in college. He went to Virginia Tech too, actually, um, and he was with the the Marlins and I think um, maybe the Astros for a bit. He made all the way up to AAA and was there, you know, for a while. So he's been in pro ball. He knows what it takes to be a professional player and what professionals think and plan the right way. So uh, he was kind of along the line. He was a college coach, but he was along the lines of, you know, knowing that pro knowledge and, and what it takes to, you know, hit the big league level and different things like that. So, his approach wasn't too much different than, you know, what pro guys are teaching. And when I got to, you know, the Rockies, I was just fortunate that pretty much the approach that they preach is the exact same thing that I've known since I've been in college. Um, so I think, you know, it's, I don't think it's just the Rockies too either. I think most teams nowadays have that fastball away approach and, you know, adjust to spin in and different things like that, because it only makes sense that, uh, it works. You know, if you watch the highlights and all the home runs on MLB tonight and you watch all the home runs, uh, just, just look at where the home runs are. I guarantee you 90% of the fastball home runs off fastballs are to the opposite field and 90% of the breaking balls are to the pool side. It's just, it's just how the science of the game is working right now and how professional swings are working now. Um, and I, I don't know. It's worked for me a lot, so I trust in it fully. And I think a lot of people are starting to really uh, trust in that approach too. 
Zach, early on in the podcast, you mentioned work ethic being something that you kind of hang your hat on and something that you think has helped to separate you. Um, and I kind of asked about your approach to plate and, and sort of how that's progressed. But but as far as your work ethic, how did you establish that exactly? Was was there was there a coach along the way or, or someone, you know, a family member or whoever that sort of helped to, to push you to, you know, to push you to your limits and to, and to work at a certain, uh, at a certain level in order to achieve what you wanted to achieve ultimately playing pro ball. I, I think it's interesting to have conversations with guys about, about that and about just kind of where your work ethic comes from, who helped you establish it, if anybody, and just kind of see, you know, some steps along the way that have helped you to become the person that you are and the worker that you are. So for you, Zach, how, uh, how did you establish this work ethic? When did it come about? And was there anybody along the way that sort of helped to get you there? Well, um, I honestly think I've had a really good work ethic my entire life. Um, when I was starting baseball, when I was seven years old, you know, I, I was honestly really bad at it. I wasn't naturally talented, naturally athletic. Um, there are a lot of kids around me that had natural talent but didn't work hard. But, you know, I like the game. My dad put me in the right places to be able to develop myself. Um, but I always just kind of knew, and my parents always taught me the lessons where, you know, the hardest worker gets paid off. And, you know, I was just trying to, to outwork the next guy next to me, no, no matter what the circumstances were my whole life. And I, I firmly believe if you put in more work than the guy next to you, eventually you're going to pass him up. And, uh, yeah, it's just... That, learning that at a young age and learning to work that hard at a young age makes it a lot easier when later in life, you know, because it's always hard starting new things and, you know, trying to change yourself as a human being. But if you learn the, the good moral values of, you know, working hard and keeping your head down at a young age, it, it just comes naturally at, at my level now. I mean, at, at my point now, it's like if I go a full day without doing anything to, you know, to benefit my body or, my baseball career, I, I, I get fidgety, you know, I, I, you know, I feel sorry for, not sorry for myself, but I feel almost like guilty, like I just wasted a day, you know, I wasted a day where I could get better, I wasted time that I'm not going to get back, um, but yeah, I've, I've just always had a great, you know, uh, uh, social structure and family structure around me to be able to teach me the benefits of hard work and, you know, always trying to be the best no matter what, you know, I've, my, my dad's always kind of made me an ultra competitor, you know, what, no matter what sport I'm playing or what I'm doing, he always like ne never settle for anything less than first place or being a winner. You know, if you start to feel comfortable with coming in second and losing and different things like that, it's just going to carry on and none of other things that eventually you're just not going to be successful because of it. So what about your off season this year, Zach, with, far as your work ethic is concerned to try to get an advantage this off season. What are some things? Can you talk to us about some things that you were working on as you kind of head into spring training or, or towards spring training anyway, is it, um, and this is obviously for you personally, but were you, were you hoping, were you trying for some strength gains Were was like flexibility and mobility a part of it? Or was there any sort of, uh, you know, mechanical changes you wanted to make or just anything else? What can you kind of tell us about just your focal points for this off season in particular and, and what you are working on and, uh, and hoping to accomplish? Yeah, well, uh, pretty much how this offseason has been structured for me is I've been lifting hard probably four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, mixing a mobility day on Wednesday, 
um, you know, then I usually give myself the weekend off to just fully recover my body and, you know, get mentally sound and everything because it's a lot better to work smarter and do the right things to set your body up the right way than just working yourself to death and taking bad reps and, and, you know, putting too much strain on your body where you're getting injured and, or you're just working out things that don't need to be worked out. You know, we all want to work as hard as we possibly can, but you have to be smart with the approach that you're taking into your work. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be, you know, bodybuilding as a baseball player because it's going to make you tight. It's going to, you're going to get injured. You're going to, you know, you're going to just make yourself strong in areas that you don't want to be strong. You have to have the right, uh, lifts in mind. You know, you got to work out the right muscles. You got to take care of your body the right way. You got to, you know, keep, keep flexible so that when you're in season and you're playing every day and you're stretching every day that you don't injure yourself and different things like that. Plus you got to be on top of your nutrition and put the right things in your body, the right supplements. You got to know, you know, the supplements that are NSF sports certified. If you don't have that in your system, you can get popped with a drug test and you're out 80 games, different things like that. So, you know, uh, a lot of people say like baseball players are relaxing in the off season and we are for sure, but you know, it's, we're still working, you know, this is still our job. Um, and there's a lot of work that goes into it and probably spend about four or five hours in total every day, just, you know, setting myself up to, be fully ready for when the season comes. So you're you're about to hopefully embark on your first full minor league season. You know, which and, and I don't know how much people know about college, but in college ball you play fifty six regular season games, you know, give or take, cancellations, whatever. Then you go off and play a summer league, which is which is gonna be, you know, a pretty full schedule as well. But but a minor league season is gonna be more games than I would assume you've ever played in a in a you know, in, in one summer, one kind of consecutive season. Uh, have you gotten some advice from guys, whether it's it's coaches, um, other players, former players? Have you gotten some advice to kind of lead into this season to set yourself up for for success and for for health and for not kind of running into that wall, which I think a lot of pro guys do in the first you know year, maybe even couple years of pro ball, because you're not your body's not used to playing that many games. Have you gotten any advice or anything in particular that uh, that you've heard from guys to kind of prepare you for what you're about? Uh, to experience and what your body's about to go through in your first full minor league season this year? Uh, I've talked to a little bit of, you know, my coaches down in Arizona and guys in the Rockies organization and, you know, just about, you know, how do you get through that, that grueling long schedule, you know, where it's every year, every day. And um, the one thing that really always you need to have a, you need to have a strong daily routine and you need to stick to it no matter what. You know, once your body gets into a routine, you start to feel good and you're comfortable physically and mentally, it's going to it's gonna make you last a lot longer and without, you know, fatiguing or hitting the wall than if you're just showing up and planning as the day, planning as, you know, the minutes go on. You know, if you just stick to, you know, your, your routine and trust in it and not switch it up too much and just... Also, you know, there's a toughness factor that comes into it where, you know, you have to be locked in every day and every inning. You can't let your mind wander and different things like that. And when it comes, you know, to the mental side of it, 
always in like the back of my head. I'm just kind of thinking, you know, I'm getting paid to play the game that I love. You know, I can't take this for for granted. I got to make the most of it. And I got to be locked in every, every second, every at bat, because, you know, I don't have the luxury of being a first rounder where, you know, you get a real lot of uh, opportunities and a ton of opportunities to prove yourself and different things like that. You know, 10th round isn't that low, but you know, I'm not getting any younger and uh, you know, my ops are going to be probably somewhat limited, but I'm just going to do my best to make the best of each opportunity. So I would just say, you know, I've always been pretty mentally tough and locked in when it comes to that stuff and being able to stick through a, through a hard, long season and everything. And, you know, fighting through little injuries and bumps and bruises, different things like that. So I'm not too nervous with going into the season. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Zach, one last thing I, I want to ask you. It may, it may end up being a, a couple of questions, but, you know, from talking with other minor league coaches, um, you know, I think that there are obviously you, if you're in the minor leagues and you're in your advancing levels, you can just flat out dominate that level and get bumped up. But I also think that a lot of different minor league levels, uh, maybe more so for pitchers than hitters, but probably both, I would assume that, that there are certain things that like the organization wants to see from you before you went know, to say like, OK, Zach's ready to move up to the next level, whether they're check boxes or whether it's just certain things you've been working on. They sort of want to see that you are you're handling really well or whatever it is. For you to to be a big leaguer, for Zach Kokoska to be a big leaguer, what do you think are things that you need to do, things that you think need to maybe improve in your game, you know, things that you sort of have your sights set on, like, you know, as I progress in this area or get better in this area, like this is kind of a ticket to me getting there. Do you have those kind of things in mind, or do you just um, are, are you just sort of planning on – I don't know, just kind of we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, just kind of continuing to be yourself and, and be the best version of yourself. Like, do you have specific things that you kind of want to uh, or check off or, to, or again, to say, like, for, for me to be a major leaguer, these are things I need to improve on. Like, for pitchers, it's kind of an easy one. You Not easy, but you read scouting reports and say, okay, this guy's got to get more consistent with his control. He's got to get more cons- consistent with his slider. His slider will flash plus, but – other times it won't look as good and the, and the change up needs to be more consistent. And like, those are kind of typical things you read about pitchers. Are, are there those things for you as a hitter that you feel like are, are keys to your success and keys to you making, you know, getting to the ultimate level of being a big leaguer? I think that's a, that's a really good question to be honest with you. And I never really thought too much into it that much, but I really think what it all comes down to it's just showing up to the field every day, staying relaxed physically and mentally, and just producing and competing. And I really think, you know, I think right now I have the tools and the makeup and the mental maturity to be a major league hitter right at this very moment now. And I think the only thing that's going to get in my way with making it there is, is me. So... You know, we're always trying to improve our swing, get more power, uh, improve our fielding, our arm strength, all this different stuff. And I will continue to improve all that stuff and get better with it. But for me as an individual, I really just think it comes down to me trusting in my ability, staying relaxed and just showing up to the field and 
competing competing as best as I can every single day. And I think if I just do that and I I uh, am able to you know keep my head on on top of me and everything like that, it's I think I'm gonna be just fine with moving up. This is great. This is really good stuff. This is Zach Kokoska, everybody. He is in a minor league outfielder with the Colorado Rockies. Um, and and you, you've had some success in, in a brief stint, your first pro ball stint in 2021, and, and wishing you all the success going forward. Zach, it's been a really interesting conversation with you. Uh, I've learned a lot, and I, I've really appreciated a lot of things that you've that you've brought, a lot of things that you've shared. So I certainly appreciate uh, your time. Um and I hope to, I hope we'll have you back again. I hope that as you continue to progress through the minor leagues, that this isn't the the first and only time you're here. Hopefully, we can kind of keep tabs on you, and uh, and, and maybe keep you coming back and, and being a part of figured out baseball as you go forward. Today's podcast is brought to you by Crossover Symmetry and ArmCare.com. Uh, Zach, again, I certainly appreciate your time today, and thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having having me, and uh, I'll definitely be back on the podcast for you. Just let me know.